Look at that. See, that's what I'm talking about, like pillowy. Yeah. Because um, it just it stays. Yeah, it's, it's just always there. There's a good lacing. Not really, but it's okay. I didn't clean the glass. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back, Beer Leavers, to the Don't Stop Beer Leaving Podcast. I'm Chris. That is Michael. As always, thanks for joining us for episode six. It's good to have you all here. Michael, wow. how are you this fine, fine evening? Oh, I'm pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. Good. Very excited for this episode, um, especially after the conversations we had and the engagement we had from you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, really excited to just move on and keep talking about beer. And uh, can you imagine, you know, can you believe it's six right now? I can't believe we're not doing Episode this. Episode <laughs> six. I can't Guys. believe it's going so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is always, it is good to have you all here. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for the support and all the feedback that we have gotten. If you like the podcast, feel free to share it with those uh, who you're close to, who know, uh, who, who you know, uh, enjoy and love beer. So mm-hmm. we definitely want to continue the outreach and the engagement with you guys. Um, so thanks a lot for the support. Um Episode six, we have a lot planned for tonight. You have some interesting things to bring to the table as far as sure. uh, the beers we're going to talk about. And then also some some cool little you know, intricacies about beer psychology, I think, that we're going to get into oh, yeah. a little bit later on. But to start it off, let's jump right into the challenge of last week, uh, which was around going to your local tap room and bringing back one of their flagships, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So obviously the answers to this are going to be pretty varied depending on what you guys were able to go find, also what's available in mm-hmm. your area. That's going to vary quite significantly across the board. Um, but, Michael, maybe do you want to say anything about that challenge and then go into what you were able to find? Yeah, sure. So we, uh, or I, um, came up with this challenge because we were talking yeah, last not week. me. I, I do nothing, apparently. <laughs> You're a great host. Um also, you do a lot. <laughs> I don't know how to recover from this. We came up we're with this challenge. <laughs> we came up with this challenge because last week we were talking about big beer and its yeah. influence on on the whole beer scene. Not that that be also being craft beer. And so we just wanted to remember to throw out some love to your small, your local brewery. Um, so to visit the tap room and check out their 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 state their staples. You know, um, so. You guys heard me talk about this place several, several times. Bottles right in front of me, guys. I finally got a bottle of Sapwood Cellars to bring home. Sapwood Cellars. Because I always talk about it. The problem is I always go there, and it's just so good. I just yeah. drink, the drink, drink, and I, well, responsibly so. And then I just forget, you know, it's to bring some home with me. <laughs> so I finally got, um, I was actually lucky last week, there was the bottle release for Order to, Order to Chaos. Um, which is actually a blend of two of their base beers, then aged in, and I know we, we've been talking about barrels, and I'm, I promise we'll get off of this soon, aged in a red wine barrel. So yeah. this is pretty fantastic stuff. Um, the tap room was vibrant, as always. If you've ever been, it's a very, um, almost eclectic in terms of the decor, but very open and friendly tap room. Definitely try going out there. Um, this beer is very unique, uh, this is a Flanders Brown, or in the traditional name, Oud Bruin. Uh, Oud Bruin. Brood, yeah, Oud Old. Oud Brood. Uh, B-R-U-I-N, like the Bruins. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Oud Bruin. And it stands for Old Brown. So it's the Flanders Brown style of the Belgian styles. Um, fan- fantastic, funky. Look at the color on that. That's quite oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's dark. It's, it's definitely earthy in color, dark. Um, smells right there of... Mm-hmm. 
that funkiness of of the barrel, just letting it age. Um, but also you're getting kind of like plum, kind yeah. of plum fruitness. Yeah. If you read the bottle, you also yeah. Let's see, let's see, let's take a read here. Sure. Uh, Asian red wine barrels, and then the added cranberry and fresh navel orange zest. Okay, so that brightens it up a little yeah, bit totally. more mm-hmm. in terms of the flavor. So, mm. ooh, tart, very tart. Yeah, it had a bit. Dryness uh, it has a bit of the uh, of a sour flavor, like from the, from the perspective of what a sour beer is. Exactly. I think a lot of people might mistake this for a sour if you just gave it to them without telling them what it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what this is. But it's a lot. It's not. It, my reaction was. It hits you, but unlike a sour, it kind of disappears uh, out of the front of my mouth. Yes. And then it kind of comes back a little bit. Yeah, Like yeah. you mentioned, you know, as you as you sit there, uh, but initially it kind of is there and then it's not. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Where I think most sours kind of just linger that with that tartness, that bitterness, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. Yeah, and that could be because this is actually a naturally soured beer as opposed to a lot of... Um, breweries when they when they start out with sour beers are using a- actual acid to tart up their beer because it's a lot quicker to do that. This you know you have to let age to sour and and have the organisms actually sour a beer, whereas you can add lactic acid or, or acetic acid and it becomes sour. Sure. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot cheaper and a lot quicker, so they can not have to sit on merch like on product yeah. and, instead of mm-hmm. making it work for you. Um, fantastic stuff. Uh, comment below where you went and also yes. what you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and give me your tasting notes. Again, I really love reading you guys' description of beers, um, using vocabulary that I'm sure you've never used to describe, you know, beer or, just, you know, something you consume before. Yeah. It's it's harder than you think. And, you know, this kind of segues, and I'm glad you brought this, uh, psychology, beer psychology up. It segues into beer psychology in that um, I was reading, uh, who was I reading? I think I was reading Asa Stone, which is a uh, a master sommelier, a master, yeah, yeah, master Cicerone in New Mexico. And I think New Mexico's only uh, master, um, or she only advanced, I can't remember, but she is spearheading this idea of beer psychology. And the fact is your experiences are, you know, something that, that like are innate, but how you, how you describe them is something that you have to kind of put into words and you might not necessarily have those words. Um, so like I always use kind of the same descriptors. It's hard for me to, to, to think about something else. I was I was attending a, a a winery and we were talking about how to describe a beer or how to describe a wine and a lot of people were just using the exact same words over and over again. Oh, this is fruity. This is dry. This is mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. Somebody was saying, oh, this is like opening the car door after driving out to the countryside in the summer, and you know you drove for an hour, or two hours before you you finally open that car door and the entire countryside hits you, and it's wow. like yeah, and I was like. Okay, <laughs> but I, like no, that's a great way to describe it because yeah. to describe it using your experiences is a great way to go about it. So, um, yeah, beer psychology is a great thing because you, every single one of your senses does affect beer, but yeah. also your state of mind. Totally, it affects how you taste it. So, you know, I, I've I've had read, I've done readings where if you're happy when you're when you're drinking a beer or if you're in a setting that you're just having a good time you're going to experience a lot more of the sweet parts of the beer if you're sad or angry um, that you'll actually find a lot more of the bitter notes interesting so, very interesting stuff so from that perspective i guess you can have a different experience with the same beer depending on your attitude and your and your mindset at the time you drink it exactly that's exactly what it is and and the setting itself um uh, who was it? Randy Mosher, and I'm sure he's not the one who came up with the idea, but being a very famous uh, um, mouthpiece for craft beer, 
uh, he talks about how if you're in a crack, uh, a tap room, so you might have experienced this during your, your trip last week. If you're in a tap room and they're maybe playing live music and it's loud in there, that's going to affect actually how you taste a beer. There's some sensors in your brain that's going to be kind of diminished because there's just so much going on in your brain is just processing these loud noises. That's crazy. Do you have any... Um like links we can we can maybe throw yeah. their way in regard to this this, mm-hmm. this study and definitely definitely no I I'll definitely uh, I'll tag uh, or, or or reference or give you guys a link for Asa Stone's page mm-hmm. and also um, some some literature to read about for for Mandy Mosher he's a great great um, spearhead he wrote Tasting Beer which I think is on its second edition now it's basically the beer bible for yeah. for people who are trying to learn how to experience beer and how to differentiate beer um, so. Uh, I'm actually still going through it. My first uh, reading through it, fantastic stuff. I'm learning something every day. Every yeah, chapter. super interesting um, idea. Uh, one of the things you mentioned that I think I want to touch on a little bit more, and you've mentioned this before, even on this podcast, but the idea that setting and where you drink the beer uh, has such an impact on on your experience with it. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the one that resonates the most with me because okay. um, I could go out to a bar in DC, and it could be you know a Thursday or a Friday night or something, and it's loud. Um, let's just say I get like a lager. Let's just say I get a, just a very run of the mill beer, whether it's you know a Budweiser or something. Smittix. Smittix, yeah, mm-hmm. Smittix is a perfect example. Yeah. Uh, actually, let, let, let's change the example. Let's say I go out to the Brogue, right? Yeah, there we go. And yeah. I go get a Smittics there. It's an Irish pub. It has um, live music on the weekends. Um, it's kind of enclosed and cozy. And, cozy. and the Smittics fits the not only the the venue, but also the like the style of the pub you're in, right? It's yeah, an Irish beer in an Irish pub. It's like it impacts it. A lot of people mm-hmm. talk about Guinness you know, having it over in Ireland. It was so much better in Ireland. A lot of that, I think, is the setting, not yeah. necessarily the beer's that much different, although mm-hmm, there are some mm-hmm. differences that we learned when we were at the factory about how it's the cold storage and stuff. Doesn't, exactly. You know, there it does change things. But in general, I think that the setting is very impactful. So you take that experience on a Friday mm-hmm. night there versus me going to the grocery store, picking up a six-pack of Smittix and bringing it back to my, my apartment. That's really great. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's night and day for me, the experience that I'm having um, – in both of those two places. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's also crazy is that sometimes the setting will dictate what you order. Like sometimes if yeah. I, uh, if, if I'm going out to the Brogue, I'm, I feel more inclined actually to purchase a Smittics. Um, whereas if I just go out to my, my local bar, which is just an American style kind of dive, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll feel fine just getting, uh, you know, some, some, you know, heavy seas cause I'm, I'm over in Baltimore. Um, but, your, your your setting actually will have have an influence over what you get. There's a um, there's like themed places. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a pirate themed bar that you go and I feel I, or I went to and I feel like I just want to get, you know, like either an ale or you yeah. know, something just just and like feel, a tin cup or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, or or tin, tin stein. Tin, yeah, or just something that I can just have a good time with. I don't yeah. want to sit and think about beer, so I don't do that. Your setting will have that effect on you, and mm-hmm. we're not even talking about. Like other factors yet. We're just talking about what's immediately around you. It's crazy how, how that can affect your, yeah, your experience. It, it really is. One of the uh, places I think of the most is the Hofbra House in Pittsburgh. Obviously, mm. I went to school near Pittsburgh, and all of you out there that I went to school with are going to get this one right away. But, you know, the Hofbra House being that German 
um, you know, kind of beer garden style place, um, very authentically trying to immerse you in that German culture with the the tables and the benches and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the live German music. Uh, and the fact that, you know, really it's the only place at these beer gardens uh, you can get a full Stein. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, in the, the itself Stein, is yeah. affecting the way that I, I perceive the beer I'm drinking because it feels it feels special. It feels different. It feels authentically mm-hmm. German, right? As opposed to just going and getting a 16-ounce beer, 12-ounce yep. beer at your local pub. Um, and it's amazing how much you can enjoy something more in that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I or guess less. as well, or less, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. or the other way, right? If, uh, there are other factors that are, are going to... Uh, contribute to that but it is a very interesting topic oh yeah yeah and and if you really want to get into it um again this is this is even before we're starting to evaluate beer on its quality uh qualitative level Mm -hmm. this is before you even tried it we're talking about things that are are very um that are just going to affect you as a person so and also if you're with certain people that can affect it too Mm -hmm. or if you're with people at all if i went to if i go to the the bar alone it's going to affect how i taste a beer then versus when I'm having it over with friends. Yeah. Kind of yeah. crazy. It's, it, that's, what is that? The impact of social um, uh, like power or something, you know? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. FOMO. No. <laughs> I, don't think it's, I don't think it's FOMO, but also, I mean, if you're with a person, it might affect what you order. Again, it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy how mm-hmm. our mind works and how we adjust. So I think as well, um, as a sidebar here, like drinking versus not drinking when you're with people who maybe don't order something, it immediately like lessens your desire to order a drink mm-hmm. because no one wants to really drink alone. You know, no one sure. wants to get a beer and be there sitting by themselves when you're with four of the people who are all not drinking. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, there, that social aspect aspect of drinking beer, I think specifically beer, um, although this is true for alcohol in general, is a lot stronger than people give credit. Oh, no. Yeah, I totally agree with it, that. It, the, the social aspect of it is is quite impactful and quite... Uh, um, prominent yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like i said in the first episode uh, alcohol in general it brings people together mm-hmm. it ha- helps you know break down barriers so people are gonna become more sociable so it, it's just it, it's part of its natural um yeah mm-hmm. uh, form yeah so um one other thing i wanted to mention because this beer has such an awesome label oh yeah if you guys can take a look at this um and we'll maybe post a, a close-up picture of mm, this but good, this yeah. is a very very um thick label almost feels like cardstock oh, you know, yeah, but yeah. it has some texture to it no they definitely one of the things i i think about is how uh we just mentioned this a little bit as well the the um logo and the um can art or bottle art mm-hmm. of a beer also impacts our experience with it oh um, sure, sure. For something like this and this style of a bottle it's kind of half beer, half wine almost. It has it makes this it feel very like, oh, thick, this is special, right? It, it does. It elevates my um, perception of what it, I think it's going to taste like before mm-hmm. I actually taste it. Right. Right? And that's the same idea that we're talking about with mm-hmm. the settings. I look at this and I think to myself, well, that's that's a higher class beer, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, you wouldn't put like a, a, a very cheaply made lager in here. No, imagine, like a, just bud, a, four imagine ingredient. a Bud Light or something in, in a bottle like this. Yeah, it would feel way off. Yeah, but if I didn't know what that tasted like and mm-hmm. it was just Bud Light in there, I'm going to look at that and I probably would be duped. Or I probably would, would pour it. You could mm-hmm. trick me. You could put a Bud Light in there with that bottle, pour it, I could taste it. I'm probably going to think it tastes better than it actually is. Well, isn't that an amazing placebo? <laughs> you know, right. No. There's a placebo effect to it but as well. you know, Obviously, when it's a good beer, you hope that none of that is placebo, that right. it actually is made well, crafted yeah, yeah. well, brewed well. But yeah. Well, I mean, you can tell too, Like this is expensive mm. for 
the the brewery to make and to ship. Yeah. Because you know this much glass, it's heavy as opposed to a can that could just you know mm-hmm. cans are super light, so it's cheaper in terms of fuel to like ship around. Here they spare no expense in going glass and also using this beautiful again label. And I'm assuming commissioning a local artist to do this. I, I mean, yeah, I mean it's very very nice label it, there. It's about it's a, yeah it's a, this is a celebration here as opposed to you know getting some can. Mm-hmm. And and I'm glad you brought up how how artwork is going to affect what I buy at the at the store. Um, sometimes that's the only thing you know about a brewer, uh, about, about a beer. You know, I've never heard of a brewery like that. Oh, but their can looks pretty darn cool. I'm yeah. totally gonna get it. Or the name of the beer. That's something too. Yeah, we yeah I mean, the names. Order can also to chaos. Impact that sounds it, yeah. pretty pretty cool. That right? is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a cool name. It is. Yeah. It is. So yeah. I think as well, if you you could look at this from a different perspective, right? You could uh, I think about big beer and or even you know local beer who put something on their on their labels to you know, basically draw a certain segment of the market or their customer base. Mm -hmm. Like, um, a a lot of big beer will put the like local sports team logo on their light beer. Right. And and package it that way. I think from that angle, right. They're not doing that. Well, they're doing that literally to get you to buy it because they want you, they know that you have an affiliation with that team and they think that putting that on there is going to make you pick it up and, and purchase it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that is very, very obviously not going to impact the perception of what the beer tastes like. At least right. I don't think it is. And they're not intentionally doing that. Yeah. So rather that decision is causing a, uh, a reaction from the customer to purchase it, mm-hmm. but is not a direct impact. I think psychologically to the experience. Oh, sure. Right. Like I don't well, think it necessarily makes me like the beer anymore. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe people do go sure. out and buy the Maryland flag, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beers from uh, Guinness and enjoy it more bond, because yeah. it has American flag or a Maryland flag on it. Well, I, so I'm actually really glad you brought this up because there is, there was a brewery that just did that. They put a mm-hmm. they put the logo of of a Ravens football player on their can. Mm-hmm. It sold out. Like they had they had glassware and the beer itself. I think kicked like the day it came out. They sold out. Um, the beer itself is just, you know, it's just an IPA and they're known for brewing IPAs pretty regularly. So it's like, it was super special. Obviously it was unique to the other beers, um, and very good, but you know, people are going to, people flocked to the door sure. and s- sold it out. They, yeah. they posted a video of people going around, like the line went around the building mm-hmm. and it's insane. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily affect the beer itself, but it's going to affect, you know, marketing. It's going to affect, yeah, the tap room experience, if you're having it in the tap room, which then cascades into the rest of the beer experience. And I suppose as well as I think about this, the, you know, there's a certain loyalty that that creates. Sure. And loyalty in and of itself, I think is something that can act as a placebo in and of itself. Like a, when you see that, right, if you're a diehard Ravens fan and you have a beer with Lamar Jackson's face on it, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, I don't care whether like the objective truth is this beer is not that good. Mm-hmm. It's good to me. You know, what I mean? you know it's sure. like I love this beer because it's Lamar Jackson. Like that's it. End of the line. There's no like debating that. You know, sure. they're going to be very hard, fast in their opinion on it. I mean, there was a person on our face on the Facebook group that I trade beer on. It's that he was he was in search of a of that can, mm-hmm. and he said he was just going to put it on the shelf. He wasn't even going. to... He didn't want to open it. 
Interesting. Isn't that kind of, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's kind of Marketing so good, they won't even open the can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <Yeah>. too good. <laughs> That's amazing. But well, um, let us know what you guys went out and found yeah. uh, for, for Michael's challenge. Obviously, this, we mentioned that it's going to be very, you know, widespread what you all are going to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so let us know in the comments or message us and email us. We want to hear from you guys. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, anything else on beer psychology? Uh, I mean, not this time, but I, I do want you guys, if you guys disagree or agree with me, post again in the comments below. If you have a setting, um, like, like when you guys were out last week and I guess, I think it was nice out last week too. If you guys were outside, mm-hmm. um, and you think that affected your, your, your beer experience, definitely tell us, um, just give us, give us some feedback on that because it's, it's definitely a field of, of beer experience. We don't really think about like, yeah. You just kind of take it for granted. We're just drinking mm-hmm. the beer. We think that the the qualitative parts of the beer is just what is happening right here yeah but it's also right here you know mm-hmm. so yeah very much so so with that um let's go into the challenge for next week okay. what do you have on on the schedule yeah yeah so so this week we were t- we or last week i gave you the job of coming back with the crowler um and now that we've explained a little bit of what, what a beer psychology means i want you guys now with the crowler to pour it especially if this was the same beer that you had at the tap room Pour it here, or pour it here, not here. Please don't come over here. <laughs> pour it in the you conf- can come over here. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll talk beer. Um, pour it in the confines in your own home. Uh, yeah. You know, drink it. At first, drink it alone and see if that is any different. If you if you taste things that you didn't taste before, mm-hmm. if it appears brighter, if it somehow appears maybe more dull. Very, very much um, interested in what you guys think about beer psychology now yeah. that you can kind of compare it to your experience outside in the in the environment of a tap room and now in the confines of your own home yeah very much so so be sure to do that i'm really i think there's going to be a lot of significant uh, differences people are going to know you'll Mm -hmm. be pretty surprised at your experience in a different setting with that same beer you had um, last week or this this week so Mm -hmm. definitely be sure to do that and on that note thanks everybody for joining today we really appreciate all the support Be sure to subscribe below and ring that bell for future notifications uh, about our upcoming episodes. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and as always, email us at don'tstopreleaving at gmail.com. And we will see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.